Welcome to Building Great Sales Teams, a show dedicated to making sales teams tick, tick, boom. Great sales teams are not recruited, they are built block by block. Let's get to work. All right, guys, we got Brenda Nekvadel here. She's a two-time best-selling author. She specializes in crisis management, and it's going to be very interesting what that is later on. But government contracting, HR, she's a contributor to Forbes, Entrepreneur.com, Fast Company, Inc., and many more. She was also deemed the HR force of nature, and now she's taking a turn. She's actually the CEO and instructor for aerial recon training and chief air boss to the Drone Farm, a 144-acre drone training range in Wakefield, Virginia. Brenda, welcome, and thank you for being on the show. Ah, thank you so much. I'm excited. I know that's like a big mouthful, isn't it? Yeah, I, I went through the profile, and I broke it down to the like, the key points and stuff like that, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But yeah, you 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 are a decorated uh, HR officer, essentially is what I'm going to call you, Okay. That's and, fine. I'm and, good. and that's where I kind of want to kick it off because you've got some interesting stories that come from that experience in, you know, contracting oh, yeah. NHR. Um, a, a few of them that you mentioned was workplace violence, a near stabbing. You had a case where a woman was being stalked, uh, you know, situations with national security and even homicide. So can you kind of just <laughs> walk yeah, which us one do you want first? <laughs> yeah, I would say, which one's the, the you know, the, the, the one that's been important to me lately, because I've been dealing with it a lot at my company, is the the stalking women one. Because okay, a... I was praying you weren't going to say the homicide one. No, no. Um, yeah, no. So the stalking women. Yeah, we had um, God, we had a guy. <clears throat> so we had a female employee, and out of all of the workplace violence, and you can look these numbers up because it's actually put together by the FBI. Um, the numbers for female deaths in workplace violence is like the highest out of all of workplace violence, like 51%. And it's all because of some form of domestic violence where there is the former partner, the breakup, the jealous husband, the divorcee, right? They're the instigators of it. And um, it's, I'm, one thing you've never you've known me now for a little while and you've mm-hmm. never heard me jump on the bag and wagon saying you know women rights women 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 right. i don't do that i don't do it because i look at every human being equally mm-hmm. it's like you know unless you got pointy ears and green blood and belong somewhere in a in a sci-fi novel you're in my book you're the same regardless of whether you have gifts talents or you have disabilities whatever doesn't matter mm-hmm. so but workplace violence. I mean, that's something that, believe it or not, a lot of people gaff off because they don't necessarily see the correlation between women getting hurt at work because of an ex or stalker boyfriend or stalker whatever. And it it happens. It happens actually a lot more than people realize. So um, good companies will institute a program to where um, like everybody walks out to the parking lot and two. So like retail and the malls and stuff like that, their, mm-hmm. their loss prevention policy is that nobody leaves this. Nobody's in the store by themselves. There's always at least one other person because that helps against theft too. But um, there's another reason behind it is that 
when you've got people that are leaving 10, 11 o'clock at night, you don't want your employees walking out into a darkened parking lot all by themselves because they don't park under the lights. They don't park close. They have to park way, way, way the hell in the back. Right. Um, so it, there's a safety element to this. And, and that's really what it's from. I had an employee. Um, we had to, I had to walk out and actually I walked her out because I implemented a safety program after an incident at work. And it was based off of a near, we, I stopped the, and the possible active shooter. I mean, it was definitely going in that direction. Mm -hmm. We got rid of them. So as, as a precaution, we would walk out in pairs. So I was walking her back out and wouldn't you know it, um, there were two, um, there were two young black boys, mm -hmm. hoods up, very baggy clothes, um, looking to break into vehicles. We parked on the fifth level of this parking lot. There's no reason why they had, and, there's, and they're looking in right. windows and we them. there's no reason for them to be there. And um, she engaged them, which I wanted to smack the hell out of her. Yeah. And yeah. then like I saw one kid put his hands inside and I'm like, oh crap, here we go. And then she started getting into an argument with them. And I turned and I looked at her and I said, shut up. I said, you guys go and we're not going to make a big deal out of this. Yeah. And I looked at her and I said, if you open your trap one more time, we are both dead. Do you understand that? And it's yeah. not to profile anybody, but you're talking about two young guys who can out muscle and outmaneuver us who were clearly there trying to break into vehicles. And if you look, you can actually see their handprints because it was a, there was construction. So you could see their single handprints on the door handles because there was all the dust from construction. And I'm like, look, bad things happen to good people. Stop doing that. And conversely, you know what? We've seen people from all walks of life do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, the actor shooter guy, he was a white guy. Yeah. You know? So, you know, folks that like the one guy that was a near stabbing, they were white guys. Mm -hmm. You know, it does. It doesn't matter. Humans do weird things. So, but, you know, there were there were in that case in the parking lot, there were actual telltale signs that they were armed. Gotcha. Yeah. So no, that's 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 some pretty crazy situations that you've had to deal with in the past. And, you know, as I look at, you know, our business and the different things we've had happen, they're all very elementary compared to some of that stuff. But I can see how they could grow into something like that, you know, very whether quickly. it be a, you know, inner work relationship and you've got the X's on both ends, you know what I mean? That mm -hmm. type of stuff. I've seen a lot of that happen or like one salesperson's dating the other salesperson and then a, two weeks later she's dating another salesperson. And so you got the jealousy between the two sales guys, you oh, know, yeah. and it's so hard, you know, you know, a lot of my people are W2 now, but in the past they were 1099. So it's like, I really have no control <laughs> over what they do unless it's in the office. Right. So once they left the office, it was like, you know what I mean? What a, you know, even a W2 employee, you don't have a lot of control of that. So, um, so I, I do have a question for you related to that. How do, how do sales centric organizations protect themselves with HR? Because it's, it's, it's like the last thing we think about, you know what I mean? We start hiring salespeople. We start <laughs> yes, making, it, it, is. it is, it is. Let's be honest here. <laughs> it's the last thing we <laughs> yeah, think about. It is. And then the thing <laughs> happens, right? For me, it was a longtime employee that uh, filed a um, discrimination lawsuit against me. 
And then all yeah. of a sudden I was HR, Mr. HR after that, you know what I mean? But it's <laughs> often too late that, that that type of stuff happens. So what can uh, sales-centric organizations do to protect themselves with HR? So you want to look at HR just like anything else that you do with your key performance indicators, with your sales goals, with your expectations of dress and behaviors in customer-facing environments. All those are, are just expectations. Mm -hmm. So you set the same expectation behavior. You know, the thing is, is that when it comes to sales, you have to rely on an environment of people being mavericks because you got to have a lot of bravery to do sales. Let's, Mm -hmm. let's, let's call it what it is, right? Mm -hmm. You have to have the self-confidence. You have to use ballsy and gutsy moves and and phrases. And you know what, what works most of the time for a lot of people isn't going to work that one time. And next, you know, you're going to have a salesperson that's going to have a really bad day because they kind of got put in their place. Like they got put into a box by a customer or a prospect and, and it's going to happen. Having policies, procedures that protect your business. So you don't lose because I know your story. And like mm. you recently did a podcast episode on this uh-huh. um, about how you had to get rid of a key player on your team yeah. and it cost you guys about a million dollars. Yeah. But you know what? In the long run, even though that hurt, that was the best million dollars you could have possibly lost because imagine how much bad business that person would have brought in in the long run. Absolutely. So, and, and that's a hard pill for ambitious leaders to swallow because the number one responsibility of any leader in apex leader, like a CEO in a company is to keep the doors open so they can make payroll. That's their responsibility, not make profit. So having, having somebody that has your back, you know, HR walks is supposed to walk alongside the CEO, not as the yes person, not as, you know, that little puppy dog jumping in the cartoon, walking up next to the big bulldog, right? Right. Is to sit there and say, you're about ready to step in it. (laughs) 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 And we need to stop you right now, right? Or that person to where the CEO can literally turn and say the five things that they would never be caught dead saying in front of anybody else Mm -hmm. because they have nobody at their level that they can talk to. There's nobody else that they can trust with confidence, their feelings, even though it could be a knee jerk response. One of the worst things I've ever heard come out of a CEO's mouth is that I am not firing this because this person is of this ethnicity and I don't want to deal with that crap. Yeah, I've heard that before. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know what? And that's a real feeling. That's a real thing. And I like, you know, like I'm, this could be a cancel culture <laughs> type yeah. of, you know, podcast here for me. And I hope that it certainly doesn't come that way because that's not the intention. These are real conversations. These are real yeah. things that have happened. I've been doing this for 30 years. Trust me, there's very little I haven't heard. Does it mean that somebody really truly feels that way? No. Mm-hmm. People say things in the heat of the moment. What's worse is having a CEO that says something in the heat of the moment and actually does it. Right. Right. And so, or backs off of their core values or backs off of their position because they're afraid of losing something, right? They're afraid that if they get rid of this one person, somebody like the whole thing is going to fall apart. Well, here's the thing. When you get rid of somebody who's a bad player in your team, it makes room for the better ones to come up. 100%. 
It really does. So, and there's nothing more disheartening to employees in general is when the company kowtows or doesn't do anything about the bad employees. And then forces them to continue to work in a, you know, a possibly hostile work environment. Yeah. Negative environment. Yep. And it doesn't matter. doesn't matter if they're purple pinstriped or polka dotted. It Mm -hmm. really doesn't. Whoever has the bad attitude and is the biggest player, meaning they bring in the most money, usually is king of the hill. And, and, you know, like we both know Jesse Lee Ward. Mm -hmm. My favorite comment that she has ever made is that if you don't define your culture, somebody else will. Yeah. That goes hand in hand with workplace violence and all these other crazy things that I've had to deal with. Yeah, uh, I really appreciate Jesse Lee Ward. The the speech that she gave at Million Dollar Mastermind 21 was really mm-hmm. impactful for me, understanding um, just probably just the gifting piece that she utilizes. Yeah. You know, and it's not for birthdays or anniversaries or anything like that. It's just because. And so we, we've begun utilizing that um, a lot internally and it's it, it's done wonders for our culture so so that's pretty huge there i'll i'll admit wholeheartedly that um i've been that ceo you know what i mean uh that you described earlier mine was i gave the the women in my organization too many chances you know what i mean and it wasn't like anything you know bad or anything it was just you know i was softer on the women in the organization especially the salespeople. You know, you didn't hold and, them to the same standards, right? And it took, it took um, uh, Alicia, my wife, being in the uh, HR role to say, "Hey, it's got to be the same standard across the board. Yep. You got to put this, like you said, these KPIs in place, and then you terminate them if they don't reach their their KPIs. Uh, manager discretion, you know, somewhat, but he's got to give a really good case, you know." Right. And so she recognized those trends were happening. And, and, you know, most of my management was male. So we were all doing it. You know what I'm saying? Which was, it's like reverse, uh, reverse uh, sexism, I guess you could say, because we were giving them more chances, right? right. And um, so we, we instituted those policies and, and, and got rid of that. But that's what I've noticed more than anything. HR, what they do for you is they get rid of that, like, human element that makes mistakes, you know? And they do that by establishing a baseline, like you said, the KPIs in the beginning, and everybody signs off on those. And then when they violate those, then you can you can point to that as the reason that you had to reprimand them, yeah. put them on a performance plan, or terminate them. Yep. You have something actionable. Mm-hmm. And so, <clears throat> and you know, it's interesting is that you said something, so they remove the human element. They, re- they remove the downside of the human element from leadership that doesn't work. Right. That's our job. Right. But at the same time, we add the uh, another element of human into the work, and that is recognizing the benefits and the gifts of the employees at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the number one responsibility of an HR professional is to really balance the, the very delicate balance, find it within doing the best interest of what's in the best interest of the company against doing what's in the best interest of the employees. And you know what? There have been many times where I told the bosses, like, hey, guys, we're not winning today. Yeah. And what I mean, and they know what I mean by that. It's just like, OK, there's a bigger picture here that I'm spelling out as to why we wouldn't want to fire this person, why we would want to give them a chance. And usually it's because nobody else did before. 
Yeah. You know, nobody worked with this individual to make them better. You know, I, I have two guys on my team right now. They're very different, very good hearted. I got one that shows up who is awesome human being, but has told me point blank, I want to do a good job, but I need some help and I need some work. You know what? I'm going to spend as much time working with that person as I can. I got the other one who says, my heart is in this. I'm here. I'm, I'm going to show up for the meetings and doesn't. And you know what? As far as I'm concerned, he's elected himself out. Right. There's a difference. Like when you show up and you really come up with different, like, well, what if we did it this way? What if we did it this way? And they try and, and they have a punch through that wall. That's the person I want to keep working with until mm. because eventually they're going to hit that wall with their fist and they're going to put a hole in it. And now they're going to find their path forward, you know? So does it mean that I'm losing anything? Not really. It doesn't mean I'm gaining anything fast either. But when somebody gets something that they're good at, let them go at what they're great at. Don't worry about what you want them to be. Let them be great at doing what they're capable of. No, that's a good point. Um, I have a one person on my team that I've, you know, he's, he's worked with me for five plus years. And I say it that way. So you can't figure out who it is. Yeah, no, I'm the same thing. <laughs> so, and, um, not a top performer, you know what I mean? I actually had some months yeah. where he cost me money, you know, but his core yeah. values are so aligned and everything that, and all his actions, you know, and just last month he had a few really big deals and it made up for the six months that we, you know, uh, overpaid basically, you know what I'm saying? And I, and I, I hate to look at people that way. And I don't, I, you know, I, I look at the P and L on the person, of course, but I also look at the character and the core values of the person. Cause yep. I, you can get a lot out of that long term if you pour into them, you know? So that, so that's a big deal there. And you know what, this isn't foreign to any other type of group that you have either. Mm-hmm. It's not just limited to salespeople. I mean, I have, I don't know if you saw my post this morning, but I, I, this is where we go from HR into drones, right? Right. But I'm, I'm, you know, I'm an admin of a beginner drone group on Facebook. Oh, yeah, my I did see that. started a year and a half ago. Congratulations. Yeah, crazy. Thank you. Well, here's the story. So he formed, I was like the 10th person, like one of the top 10 people that jumped in on it a year and a half ago. Right. And, and he's, he's done an amazing job. And then May, he reached out to me and I didn't, I didn't see the message on Facebook. And then I started this whole drone, you know, biz coach thing that I'm working on uh, because I've made a major life shift from HR into drones Mm because, you know, they align. Right. And uh, (laughs) we had this we had this conversation a a couple of Fridays ago. (laughs) You're like, what are you thinking? I know. Anyway, um, so he says, hey, would you be willing to help me out? He said, this is a kind of a a lot to deal with. And I said, sure. So I looked at the group. It went from 10 people to 83,000 people six weeks ago, two months ago, hardly when I started Mm -hmm. it. I'm like, hell yeah. So I'm looking at it. Now I'm looking at it as an entrepreneur and going, okay, so like, how am I going to be able to capitalize on this group? Right. right?" And um, so the first thing that I did is I paid attention to what was going on. And then I saw the BS that was taking place. The people coming in and making in, you know, slinging into insults at other people. And I just started booting them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, I started booting them on my own without anybody reporting anything to the admin, even though there was a queue of about 130 complaints to the admin. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to clean this up. 
Uh, so I started watching what was going on. I started getting rid of people on my own. And then I did a video and I said, hey, just want to introduce myself. You know, I'm Brenda, the new blah, blah, blah. I've been in this group since it was started and really excited to be here. You know, we appreciate you guys. You know, we're making some changes. You know, if you see something, say something and we're going to get rid of them. Oh, my God. Let me tell you something. The floodgates. <laughs> it was like having a room full of kindergartners pointing out who was doing what. And it was great because, you know, we got rid of a lot of crap mm -hmm. real fast. I now have probably blocked over about 2000 people from wow. the garbage. Yeah. I mean, and some repulsive stuff that has been posted in there. I mean, just like, are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. Who even thinks of this stuff? It's disgusting. Right. Um, so we've been working on that and what happened inevitably is because we addressed the culture and you know i talked to my cousin about it and i'm like hey i want to modify the rules i want to start you know but and basically he's like just go right i trust you and that's what he said i completely trust you so i did i modified our guidelines and of course i'm thinking it's like okay we say you can't spam so how do I sell in this group, right? Because, yeah. you know, you don't just have 83,000 people and don't do anything with right. it. So, um, so I started looking at that. And then the, the community started taking ownership because an admin took ownership. And now the community, I mean, they were good at helping people, but there were people that were holding back mm -hmm. because, every, you know, some people were being nasty and crude. And I had one guy that instead of booting him, I actually flagged him. I said, hey, I said, that comment is exactly the reason why you would get booted from this group. Because why, are you afraid of the truth? And I said, no, I said, I don't have an issue with the truth. I said, but being crude about it, that's a different story. And you know what he did? He went back and he pulled the comment. Mm -hmm. He did it, not me. Yeah. And so that's an example of how a culture can change like that mm -hmm. when all you do is set expectations and hold to it. And like you said earlier, it, it, it opens yeah. up the it opens up the way for a lot totally. more productive conversations to happen. You know? Totally. And so this morning, uh, we crossed a hundred thousand. It's amazing. So you and I are both in uh, Ryan Stuman's sales sales talk for sales pros group. Yeah. They have one hundred and three thousand. Yeah. How many years has he been working on that? It's crazy. That's how. That's how. Two thousand fifteen. Like, exciting. Fourteen. It's how exciting the drone business and yeah. just drones in general are. And people are so excited about it. So that's amazing. Congratulations yeah. on that. It's huge. Thank you. So now we're bringing in, now I'm bringing in our first expert to come in and talk and do a live stream. Nice. They yeah. are flipping out over it because it's a well-known individual. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's been in the industry for a while and, and he's prominent. And so they're just like, this is great. They're like literally, literally like kids writing to Santa Claus. I want to ask him about this. I want to ask him about this. <laughs> they're like literally putting a list in. Yeah. These are people who are thirsty, you know, and and, and, you, and it's just great because all we're doing is we're just setting the expectation and the group is doing what it's doing because mm -hmm. we defined it. 100%. And so like, a big way that we define that in our companies is, is core values. So have you experienced any, any pitfalls when companies are doing that, that they kind of need to watch out for, you know, They're defining their core values. Yeah. Cause like right, right now we're, we're hiring and firing based on core values. Right. Okay. You know, we, we do the disc profiles and all that and we compare them to our current top producers and stuff. But for the most part, if we feel like they don't have the same core values, then we don't hire them. 
And then once we hire them, we, we, it's in the handbook. It's all over our walls. We say it in every meeting. So they are established. Have you seen any pitfalls, the way that can come back and kind of bite you uh, in terms of HR? I have. Um, what some people will do is like a mission statement. They write a mission statement because somebody tells them that they have yeah. to, and yep. then they never live up to it. Um, that's no different than a company writing a, a, you know, hiring me to do a handbook for them and they never use it. Mm -hmm. Our values aren't going to mean jack unless you actually live to them. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and so just like anything else, you know, when you put something out there, understand you're saying the expectation. And when you don't live up to that expectation, people know that they can walk all over you. Yeah. And, I, and I don't mean that in like, you know, you're a big wuss or coward or anything. It's just like, they will never take you seriously and you will always be frustrated. You won't be frustrated until you clean out those that are not willing to, you know, hey, look, the bus is leaving. You're either on it or not. And right. if you don't, if you don't clean house that way, or you don't work with people, so that way they become they can become a, I don't want to say a better version of themselves, but a version of themselves that resonates with the values of the organization, because that at that point would be individual self-development. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you are always going to be frustrated because people are not going to meet your expectations because you're not holding them to it. it it's, it's expectations are not hard. Now, can you have the wrong expectations of people? Like, yes, you absolutely can. And usually what I found is that when managers get upset and like mid-level managers and they start judging people because they're measuring somebody else against their own values. Right. And it's like teamwork. I hate that word, unless you clearly define what teamwork means. If I were to ask you in one word, what is the most important aspect to you in teamwork? What would it be? One word. One word. Progress. Okay. Mine's competency. So okay. if we're both cheering, you know, teamwork, 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 are you and I are on the same, are we on the same page? No. Not even remotely close. Those, are, those aren't even neighbors, right? Right. It's the same thing. So when you have a middle manager or anybody who's using their individual core values to judge and evaluate the actions of somebody else without the company saying, no, this is how we make our decision. That's how the floor drops out from underneath everybody. And now you have a contentious environment. Okay. So you create the core values. And, and one of our core values is uh, we live, we operate with integrity. So yeah we should take it a step further when we're training on these core values and say by, and what we mean by that is basically the price we tell the customer is the price. And if we have bad news for the customer, we give it to them before they sign the contract. Right. And then, mm -hmm. um, within our organization, we, we operate with integrity. We don't, you know, over, you know, salespeople are pretty, pretty <laughs> notorious for, uh, over not oversharing what's the word i'm trying to overselling uh, uh, and under overselling delivery. yes and <laughs> under delivery right we're going to over deliver yeah. and undersell so yeah. um so so taking it a step further and actually giving you know some examples and situations so you can really hone in on what that means because it could mean a lot of things to a lot of people right and it always you know i've had salespeople throw the core value back in my face before because you know, 17 variables are in between what we said was going to happen and what actually happened. 
and those variables changed. And we're trying to adapt the variables. We're trying to make the end result happen. But there's only so much that we can do before we, like, lose all of our money and close shop. You know what I'm saying? So um, that's where it gets tough. The more time in between the statement of integrity and the result of that integrity, then the the more it can get messed up. You know, so if you say it, you've got to be able to deliver it, you know. And that's one of the hardest things. It is. And, you know, we're kind of facing something like that at the drone farm, to be honest with you. And and this is not a bad thing to talk about. So, you know, in the market, there is a very strong desire for counter drone technology. And there's short version. I won't bore you too much, but it is kind of fascinating. Um, There is some complication with uh, a couple of laws out there in regards to the FCC. Mm -hmm. So the FCC has deemed that it's unlawful to disrupt or pony or kidnap or whatever you want to call it, um, the signal, the radio frequency that exists between the drone controller and the drone itself, okay. right? It's not a fine line. It's it's like, boom, this is it. If yeah. it interrupts it, if it taps onto it, that's a problem, right? So counter, you know, we have a need for counter UAS technology. I mean, I don't know if you're aware of this and this is not meant to terrify anybody, but it's sure. a fact you can look it up. It's open source information at this point, but the FBI released at the beginning of the year uh, or like November of last year, that the prior year, um, there was our first drone attack on our infrastructure here in the United States, our first domestic drone attack. Somebody attempted to fly a copper cable into a substation in Southern Pennsylvania. The okay. drone failed, thank goodness. Otherwise, um, it would have taken out a part of our power grid. Okay. That's a big deal, right? Yeah, and, absolutely. And it's just like people do crazy things all the time. So in order for the government to be able to test counter UAS, uh, they have to find favor with the FCC. Well, guess what? The FCC says, not on this land. You're not going to do that. So we have that complication because we, you know, the drone farm does, does support government business, you know, domestic government business, domestic agencies. And so one of the questions is, is like, well, how do we get to yes without compromising our core values? And, Mm -hmm. One of our core values is that we do things like safety of the national airspace is, is our number one priority. Okay. Because if, if we're focused on the safety of the national airspace, it means that we're focused on the safety of everybody. Right. So in order for us to be able to support like a DOD initiative that has to do as an example, but we don't right now, but if this is like in our conversations, it's like if there's counter UAS technology, how do we get to yes without negatively impacting the environment right and that's the question to ask how do we get to yes you know so you know if there's you know several different reiterations and somebody's saying well this isn't fair it's like okay great what are your suggestions how do we get to yes how do we that's make the question this to ask put it right back on the person that's frustrated about something because if they're not part of the solution they're part of the problem even though they may be absolutely operating in integrity by pulling something, challenging something forward. It's like, okay, great. How do we get to yes? How do we do this? If you see this as a gap, help us be successful. So that's a, a big initiative in our company right now. Uh, Wayne came out with it probably a couple of weeks ago. He got tired of salespeople bringing problems to him, right? So now that we're in, in solar, we have a like 33 point touch process that takes a customer from closed to install you know what i mean 
And so it is complicated. There's permits involved. There's construction. There's, you know, whole crews getting sick with COVID. You know what I mean? Like there's all kinds of issues. Yeah. Supply (laughs) chain issues. So there's all these things that can go wrong from, you know, the close of a customer's home to the install. And so what he started telling his guys is, Hey, I I know you have problems. I know we have problems. Start bringing me, you know, three possible solutions instead of just bringing me the problem and making me figure it out, you know, because you multiply 20, 20 deals going on by, you know, three problems they may have throughout. And then the couple of solutions that he's got to find, I mean, that means he's finding 40 to 50 solutions a week. You know, one person only has so much decision-making capability, you know? And so since they've started doing that, they started bringing him, the the solutions his peace of mind and his job has gotten so much easier because he can he can say okay a b or c let's go with b that worked on the last deal and we'll move forward on it and that's been wor- uh, working really well for him and so i'm gonna you know obviously have him listen to this episode and, and talk about that um what's the best way to get to yes basically yeah. is How do we get to yes? something else he can he can implement there so my, how do, my, go ahead. my favorite all-time boss, you're going to love this story. This is one of the best boss stories I've ever had. My favorite all-time boss <clears throat> just retired a year ago. Um, and I, I told him, I said, you remember when we had that one meeting with this one girl? He goes, oh, yeah, I do. So there were moments that this man has said things of sheer brilliance that I'm like, damn, I wish I would have said that. Mm-hmm. All of us know, never complain to Tom. Okay. Because Tom literally gets really calm. And then it's like, as soon as he relaxes and he crooks and he has this little wink and his little twinkle in his eye and a cook in his mouth. I'm like, here it comes. So we went into this team meeting and it was one of the few ones that I got to sit in because I was never really part of the management meetings. He wanted to have that solely with himself, with the sales managers. I totally respect that, but I had to come in and talk up a process that was being introduced and blah, blah, blah. And make sure that they had any questions. Well, as soon as we got there, it was the so we just promoted three new managers and we promoted from within. So he gets in and this one woman sits down and she immediately starts bitching and complaining about about seven people doing exactly the same thing, blah, blah, blah. All of us know better because we've worked with Tom long enough and we've all hung ourselves in this. We all shut up <laughs> and just listen. And so I looked over at Tom and I saw the twinkle in his eye in his mouth. I'm like, here it comes. And she's like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we need to figure out what we're going to do this. And he went, congratulations. You just volunteered yourself to fix it. And she goes, son of a. (laughs) (laughs) It's very true, though. It's It's just like the hazing is done, folks. (laughs) You're you're the most qualified person to fix this now. Absolutely. And that's what he, and he's smiling the whole time doing it. He says, congratulations. You just volunteered yourself to fix it. And she's like, God, <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. so funny. And we're all laughing because we all know, because we've all done it. Yeah. And it's just like, and it only takes once. And, and, but that was, that was what he did. So that was his way of saying, how do we get to yes then? Yeah. It's like, how do we take ownership? You know? And, uh, yeah, I've done it too. And it's, it's a, oh, it's brilliant. It is just, that man was just brilliance and leadership. It was just amazing. It's awesome when you have people that impact you like that and you can keep a little piece yeah. of them and yeah, use it moving forward. Okay. So you've told me this story before, but I want our listeners to hear it too. What took you from, cause we were kind of joking about it earlier, how they're so aligned <laughs> HR to drones. Drones. Yeah. So 
the original backstory, the big backstory, the, the <laughs> nitty gritty piece of it, <clears throat> he's going to chime in apparently, um, is that I, I, my dad has Alzheimer's uh -huh. and, you know, my dad did as about as much as he could. Um, he did very well for a long time, but over the course of, I don't know, let's say 15 years, he lost a couple million dollars. Mm -hmm. Um, to bad investments, bad market changes. Um, he trusted people that did not have his best interest at heart. And inevitably, I wound up coming in when he was no longer capable of taking care of himself, became his trustee. And I look, holy shit, we're going to run out of money. Yeah. So I'm like, I got to figure out what to do. So I started investing, started, you know, that kicked in my entrepreneurial spirit that I have and started looking around. Um, and I remember talking to a good friend of mine. He's like, you should, you should run for, he says, you should go for this contract and, and government contract. And he's only thinking HR. And I'm like, I don't want to do HR government contracting. Yeah. Are you crazy? I'm not happy with it now as it is. Why would I want to do it for five, get, you know, bound into a contract that I'm going to hate for five years. I don't care what the money is. Mm -hmm. And if I'm going to be tied to something for five years, it's going to be more than $60,000 worth, you know? Right. So <clears throat> I started looking, I started thinking, I'm like, why the hell am I not in government contracting? So I started paying attention and looking to see what I could do. And, uh, you know, I, I tried several things like <laughs> I competed for, you know, selling janitorial supplies. I started competing, selling for office supplies, PPE during COVID, thought I was smarter than everybody else. That was a crock. Yeah. Um, and then I was doing like large cans of food for large cafeterias, you know, like prisons. And I'm just like, none of this is sexy. But then I saw this drone thing that popped up and I'm like drones. And I know that, to, you know, coming from the eight days when I was with the space agency here in Virginia, drones is an up and coming thing. We're not at the, we're not at the early adapter stage anymore. We're past that. We're at the second adapter stage, but right. nonetheless, we're in it. Right. So I started doing some research. I'm like, where are the drones? Like, who's buying these drones? And then I started seeing law enforcement. And I went instantly. I'm like, boom, there you go. I've got this whole, you know, Rolodex full of Navy SEALs that I've known and come to love for over the last several years and have helped out through their career transition and whatnot and doing all that volunteer work. It's like, that's top tier knowledge that can be transferred into law enforcement using technology that they've been dealing with for 15 years longer than those guys. Right. right. And I'm like marriage right mm -hmm. there. Problems being solved right there. Cause that's the big thing. It's like, if you go into a business, go into a business to solve other people's problems. Don't come up with an idea saying, Hey, I bet you somebody wants to buy this. If it doesn't solve a problem, they're not going to pay attention to you. Right. Right. So, and ultimately, unfortunately, that's what was happening to me in the HR field is that it started off good, but it, for 10 years, literally it was doing this and mm -hmm. I didn't necessarily see it until I got to the point of the last several years where it's just like somebody comes to you for help, you give them the answer. And then they look at you like you're a three-headed dragon can turn people into pillars or salt. <laughs> You know, it's just like, are you freaking crazy? It's like, why would I want to do that? That means that I have to interrupt my whole operation and blah, blah, blah. It's going to take time away. And what's the likelihood that we're even going to get caught? It's like, well, good right. luck with that. <laughs> you yeah, know? exactly. Like, you came to me for the question. Don't get angry because you don't like the answer when it's, 
you know, we have an illegal infrastructure. I can't control that. I can tell you how to work within it Mm -hmm. and be successful. And they just don't want to hear it. So um, I saw the, I saw things going out from underneath me. And then unfortunately my market didn't spend money. They don't know how to ask their bosses for money to like improve themselves. And they're afraid of it. And they'll blind, they'll come right out and tell you. So it's not anything that I, you know, they haven't heard from me either. So I'm like, yeah, this is not going anywhere fast. So um, I started looking at the drone thing, started studying, started researching, started getting out in advertising. And we have done some training, which is really awesome. Then I got the phone call. It's like, hey, I got a SEAL that wants to open up a drone range. Fabulous. That was in my three-year plan. It came a lot sooner. I jumped on it. Now we're working on getting that up and going. And then I'm like, God, but man, I want to get back into the coaching thing. But I intentionally held off not doing it until I found something that I knew I could positively impact. Sure enough, drone biz and how to be successful entrepreneurs. It's so fresh and so new. And the stuff that I talk about is not anything else that the other drone coaches are out there. They're only focusing on the beginning. I'm focusing on how do you get in, stay and scale. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we exist in that environment as a mastermind to begin with. And so I'm about ready to launch that mastermind along with a comprehensive course that sets an awesome foundation while somebody's studying for their commercial license Mm -hmm. to be able to literally come out of the door with the right mindset, the right tools. You give, you teach them the basics and the foundation to be successful, Mm -hmm. then invite Mm -hmm. them into the mastermind to, to continue that development as we both know, works yeah when you absolutely. invest in yourself you just literally fly and and it's, it's too bad you don't have a a, a place where there's a hundred thousand qualified candidates to to pull from <laughs> no that's you know it, that but in, in in time period of two weeks i have 180 oh, which is amazing oh that is amazing yeah. And and that's the thing, because we are part of that mastermind, we, we can yeah. kind of see the many masterminds everywhere. You know, yeah. I have a friend that is a, a six figure barber. Right. And he ended up opening a barber college. And, um, you know, that's he, he was talking about wanting to start a barber mastermind. And I'm like, well, the first thing you need to do is join Apex because they do it right. You know what I'm saying? So learn from them. And, and I also talked to Ryan about it. Like, what about these niche industries that like solar is one of them like we our our apex solar group has like 40 45 people in it like it's big enough to have its own event you know so why not part why not do it with the best in the mastermind business which is apex and partner with them and use their structure their platform their talent you know i'm saying and you're not just there talking about drones you can bring like a Brian McKentrick talking about how to uh, convert leads, you know what I mean? Or yeah. Drewby Wilson, the follow-up game, you know? And so you can bring yep. in these different things with each thing that you do and you've got the, yep. all those resources at your disposal. So, And that's exactly what I'm doing, to be honest with you. Um, mm-hmm. is that, And I've approached every single one of them. It's like, hey, listen, you articulate this much better than I can. I mean, right. I can do it, but you know what? I would much rather bring in specialists and give you attention Mm -hmm. so that way if somebody wanted to say love what we're doing here in the drone world but i could use a little extra help down there stay in my zone of genius right Right. bring in other people that can help our environment 
and stay in their zone of genius. Mm -hmm. And so that's ultimately what I'm doing. And then, you know, invite them to million dollar masterminds. Like, Hey, you want a mind blowing experience? Yeah. You like what we've got down here? Mm -hmm. Come on down. And then, you know what, if they join both masterminds, now they've just expanded their network even more. Yeah. So I'm taking what I have the pipeline in mind with the ultimate end goal of helping to grow Apex because Apex has given me so much at the same time. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just like the reason why I chose the people that I chose, number one, I've got good relationships and good mm -hmm. friendships, with them, but they have services that can support my community. 100%. And then why not turn our community around and be able to help support the Apex community? Yeah, it happens to me in consulting all the time. A lot of times I won't take on a client because they're not ready for me yet. You know what I'm saying? But they right. need they need these three other Apex members that can set them yep. up to get ready, you know? And I just had one reach out to me yesterday. It's like, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? And, and, but you know what? That's how you use your network. Mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah. Well, and it, it does. It, it, it stops me from doing work that I, sure, I can do it and I can put it together. But I don't, it's not my zone of genius, like you said. It's something that I've done because I have a business, right? And um, I'd rather put an expert in there. And, yeah, they're going to spend more money on it, you know. Yep. But by the time they get to me, they're going to be built on a solid foundation to right. where I don't have to go backwards and fix this and it's messing up my sales program that I built out for them, you know. Right. So that's a big deal. Right. And, you know, the thing is, is that you're talking the solar language. I'm talking the drone language. Mm -hmm the entrepreneur language is always going to be the entrepreneur language. Yeah, it's but universal. You have to it is, but you have to take entrepreneur and, and mesh your own message in it with industry specific. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and that is the key to being that unique. You know, I, I see a couple and, and I'm not bashing anybody. I mean, I, I like what the other companies out there that are trying to sell their courses and putting stuff out, but you know, the thing is that it's a commodity. It's not an actual network. Mm -hmm. And I'm in it for the culture and the network because I, I am witness and I'm a part of something greater. I know that formula can work here too. Mm -hmm. And so there's nothing more gratifying than being, and you've done it. I know you've done it. We've all done it at Apex. We, mm -hmm. we show up a little bit broken. Yeah. We go away being totally fortified mm -hmm. and forged, you know? We're, we're armed and ready for the next 30 days or the next quarter, you know, whatever the yeah. intermittent is next year, you know, you only go to MDM, but that's, that's the benefit. And that's the whole purpose of a mastermind that we've seen works is that you come in battered and beaten up because that's what life does to you. Mm -hmm. That's what business does to you, but you leave re-energized, you're supported. You feel good about yourself because it's was that um oh man what is the uh the music video with the with the bee dancers from the 90s who is that oh man no idea you know what i'm talking about sure yeah the happy bee people <laughs> oh. you know what i'm talking about oh somebody's gonna put it in the comments yeah. put it in the com they know exactly who it is. um no pain no pain Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and we're gonna like so I'm gonna as soon as we get done, I'm gonna remember what it is. I'm gonna be like, damn uh -huh. it. I'm gonna send it to you. So 
Um, but it's the same thing. It's just like you, you find your tribe, right? Yeah. That's what it's all about. But the tribe doesn't already exist. The tribe has to be led and has to be developed. And, and that's what's so amazing about what we get to experience. Mm. But we, we take that energy of the tribe and we take their, everybody's collective knowledge and we work to, to grow. And you know what, if you don't apply it, you don't apply it, Yeah. but you might apply it at some other point in time. That's the crazy part too, is so much of the energy that I've come home with has come from me pouring into others, you know? Yeah. And you go there depleted, but then you see a need and you, you service that need without expectation of anything in return. And what you get in return is you're re-energized when you go home and, and yep. you're, you're re-energized and then you're revalidated in your zone of genius, you know? And yep. it, it happens all the time. I'll, I'll be down in the dumps, you know, I'll go to a flying Friday, I go to a live, you know, I'll go to a, uh, RBO mastermind and, um, somebody asks me a question and then I'm there for the next 30 minutes, just talking their ear off yeah. and they're sitting there writing yeah. notes and like, you know, writing things down to go back and implement. And then once you're done with that, you're just like on uh, Sky Nine again. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so Look it's how a, many people wanted you to go into the energy drink. What's that? Business. Look how many people wanted you to go into the energy drink business. Because <laughs> of what yeah. you did. Yeah. You know how many people like literally it's like, dude, you got to do this. And this is how you do it. And this is a, they're like literally laying out the road. Where else would you find something like that? Yeah. I mean, there's so many. If I did decide to go down that route, which I just don't want <laughs> another so business right to. now. <laughs> well, there, I know you're not. <laughs> what, wait, each year at MDM, I'll come out with a new flavor and I'll make sure I'll, I'll, I'll work with Tyler before. And I'm like, Tyler, we've got to get in a place that lets us handle these things out. But anyways, come out with a new flavor and people That's will be right. banging down our door to work for us just to get the energy drinks. Hopefully we'll see. <laughs> yeah. No, but it, 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 it has created a, an amazing um, presence in our community as well as far beyond that because they're handing them to their friends and family and right. uh, people do they reach out to me all the time it's like hey this thing is amazing I saw you did solar my nephew's doing solar and he's not doing very well do you have any advice for him like I had that happen the last week and so I reached out to their nephew and I gave him some advice and stuff like that and he just got his first sale today you know which was really cool you know nice. I'm not, I'm not going to get I mean you, you know how it goes. Like you do something I like do. that. And then like six months later, he's calling you up saying like, yep. Hey, I want to come work with you or his friend, you know, calls you. That, that's how it always happens. It's usually not so direct, but it always happens um, by association typically. All right. So you, you've got Navy SEALs. Blind Melon. Blind Melon? Blind Melon. That's the name of the band. I have no to rain. hear it. I'm terrible with names. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yes. I would have oh. to hear it. But I'm going to look melon. it up after we get off the call. Yeah, do it. Nine, blind melon, no rain. I was close. No, no pain. It's no rain. Okay. So with your... The happy bee people. Uh-huh. <laughs> with, your, with your drone business, you've got yes. Navy SEALs training law enforcement mm-hmm. and forensic technicians. Mm-hmm. And so that's because of the relationships you had from your time volunteering as a, a, in the Navy SEAL community. And yeah. so what were you doing with them? You were transitioning them from... Uh, from the military to the private sector? Yes. So I am one of the original coaches from the East Coast. We did this started six and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it started with Navy SEALs, and then it's now opened up to all branches of special operations in the military. 
Um, and what we do is I donate, I, I volunteer, I donate, I volunteer 32 weeks of the year, um, two different cohorts in this one in the spring, one in the fall here in Virginia beach. And then I have what's called a fellow and usually it's a Navy seal. Mm -hmm. Um, it can be green beret can be, you know, Marine from our sock. Um, and so we take them through a 13 week course, executive level course that helps them find their why. Um, we give them the tools to look for a job, write a resume, do um, interviews, um, how to network, and then teach them a very high level, keeping it on the wave tops, about business culture and general. And it splits into two divisions. It's either the entrepreneurial side, which um, they tend to you know, throw that towards me, or at the corporate sector, which they also tend to throw at me because of the HR experience and the Fortune 500 and everything. So, mm. um, yeah, been doing that for quite a while. So that's and then once I started doing that, I went. I want to volunteer more in the Navy SEAL community in Naval Special Warfare. So I'm part of the UDT SEAL Association, which is the actual fraternity. Okay. I got sponsored in, and I do the I do the reunions. I'm there volunteering. It's just like I just whatever. If they have an event, I show up and I'm like, okay, where do you want me? It's like, I've got to the point where it's like, I don't even tell them I'm coming. They just, they know, you know, they're like, yeah. oh, Brenda's here, sticker over counting tickets or whatever. And, you know, I'll bust my butt, mm -hmm. you know, giving back to, and it's not just to them, it supports their families. When we do the reunions, um, the teams open up what they call their gee dunk, where they set up a tent and they've got their coins and their shirts and their mugs and like I'll show up with about a thousand dollars in cash and I'll buy a bunch of that stuff because that money goes towards their Christmas parties and their family events and stuff like that. And, and cool. I have, I have a wardrobe of Navy SEALs <laughs> <laughs> shirts and hats and yeah. jackets. And you should see, I have a badass coin collection, but um, you know, sometimes, you know, the extra stuff that I, you know, that I get supporting them, it's just like, if I see somebody that's doing something really cool, I'm like, here, by the way, here's a coin from SEAL Team 2 or SEAL Team 4, or if they've helped, you know, SEAL that, you know, needed assistance or something like that, then I'll give them, I'll give them something like, hey, you know, I just want to say thank you for that. And if they're like, oh, really? Like, yeah, that's so cool. But it helps everybody. That's, that's the point. So. You so, never run around so, and pretending you're something that you're not, though. Yeah, a hundred percent. I know exactly yeah. what you mean. Um, <laughs> so you've got uh, employees and contractors who are, I I, I would say, incredibly experienced at you know the drone business, right? Because it was part of their their job description in the past, right? So my question is, you know, and then the way I'm going to relate this is, you know, when I first started out in door to door, I had to hire nothing but people that were, had more experience than me because I started at the top, right? Which is a, a very difficult place to start from. If you want to create like long-term loyalty, you don't grow with your team. Right. Right. And so, um, I, I feel like you're kind of similar in that sense, even though you speak their language because you've been volunteering for them for a long time, but they have the expert training in in the uh, drone flying and drone training. So how do you kind of, I guess, bridge that gap? Merge if, it together? Yeah. And I, and I imagine by now you're kind of on that level mm -hmm. anyways. But when you first started out, I, I would imagine you had to kind of bridge that gap. So what I did is I spent two weeks at two different conventions sitting down listening. And I wrote down every problem that every law enforcement officer talked about. 
Okay. And what I, and what I did is I put all of that on a spreadsheet and then I looked at all these problems and I went, we can solve that. We can solve that. We can solve that. Mm -hmm. Then I started putting solutions based off of what I know these guys capabilities are. And really it's not so much the drone piece of it Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. it is the mindset piece of it. And so the things that seals are really good for now a lot of people have a misconception of what seals really are because only what hollywood tells them right you likely won't know what a seal looks like if you bumped into one (laughs) you really would uh, the several that i've met from apex and then i've met in the past you wouldn't you know yeah they're fit and yeah they're somehow both really handsome but i don't understand (laughs) that part how do they where's the qualifier in there but anyways um (laughs) Good but the, you you expect this like jacked like huge like you know six foot no, five you know yeah. and so that's not the case but anyways continue no it's not yeah. no it's yeah. not and so these guys are masters they are it, it's a quality that's within them and it and it comes out throughout their training and that is okay here's our situation <clears throat> which means that here are our boundaries and we talked about that earlier right how do we work within those boundaries, but get the job done. And the way I explain it, I can't remember what book it was that I read. I don't know if it was Jason Redmond's book or it was one of the earlier ones. So anyways, one guy was talking about how they were somewhere down in the deep South at one of the training camps down there. Uh, They were out for a night on the town. And this is like the best example I can ever come up with. And so there's two locals that started kind of getting on these guys for whatever reason they, they, probably assumed that they were seals and or that they were spec ops or something like that and they didn't want to have anything to do with it so they started giving them a hard time like tough guy we're going to take you out show you what we're made of right kind of thing well anyway you know it's like look team guys don't like getting into fights they want to go and fight the good fight but they don't want to get into fight with locals right Right. it's it's not it's 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 not what they want counter what they're built to do yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's stupid and ridiculous on yeah. top of it. So anyway, so my guy, instead of actually getting into a fight, this is how quick they think, right? This is how they deconflict really fast. Instead of actually, this guy tries to throw a blows with them. And instead, what does he do? Instead of punching back, he guys who grabs a cigarette, and shows it up his nose, and immediately stop the guy burning cigarette up his nose. Immediately stop this guy from wanting to fight him. That's how fast they think. Uh-huh. They think through situations because they train in all of these different scenarios. They're constantly made to fail. So when they are put to the test, just like us, when we fail, mm-hmm. we're put to the test. We know that we can get through anything because we have seen and shook the hand and embraced and leaned into failure as much as we don't like it. And it sucks. Right. We, we have this level of confidence, right? That's what these guys know. Would you rather be at the guy? Would you rather be at the bar with your buddy? Who's going to get into a fight? Or would you rather be with the guy who snuffs it up by shoving a cigarette? (laughs) I want to be with option B. Yeah. We have a better chance of surviving in option B. I'm just not going to the bar. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the glass isn't half empty it's not half full there isn't a glass yeah, that's, not even going that's in, where right? i'm at in life right now that's I'm right not going <laughs> so, so these guys are awesome at looking at a situation and seeing all of the options 
and 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 they have a line of sight that most people don't but they know how to work within the right and the left mm -hmm. so when we did a course um with the very department that i'm actually a, a deputy at um you know i was the rabbit in this and this day we, we went through two full days and so um ethan who i was working with who is a, a lieutenant he um he's out now but <clears throat> Um, he was standing back and we'd have everybody turn around, including Ethan. And then I would go hide in the parking lot. So they'd have to launch the drone and figure out where I was. Now, bear in mind, I'm wearing a vest that says UAS in the back and a hot pink shirt. I'm not <laughs> going to be difficult to find. But I never went even near the same spot I was before. Right. Like right. I went first one, I went to the, all the way to the other side of the parking lot and they had to fly there. They found it. They found me. They never gave me an indicator that they found me because I thought they found me. It turns out they didn't. I stood up like a goat and they're like, Shit, we, they said, we couldn't find you. I'm like, I was in the shadow, you know, and it's just like, oh, we weren't looking in the shadow. Ethan knew where I was, mm -hmm. you know, because yeah. I was texting him. And then the second time I turned around, I sat right up next to the front door on the building and I squished down. I just sat with my haunches up and they're flying around the parking lot trying to find me. And and finally, they're like, they once they saw my shirt and they're like, God, we never would have thought to look there. Well, the, the third guy that went, I almost got run over, um, but I hid. I went underneath the Toyota truck that was right next to where they were standing. I was oh, 10 yeah. feet away from nice. them. Yeah. And so it's a famous picture of me underneath this truck and my bright pink shirt and my Ray, you know, my Ray-Ban glasses on, you know, <laughs> and um and the owner of the truck comes out and he leans out and he says, do you mind if you move? <laughs> no, I don't mind at all. And everybody's like, oh, my gosh, we never would. have." You know, it's just like that's that's what they do. Right. That's what team guys do. They they just they don't put themselves in that position of we never would have thought of that. It's like, what are we not thinking of? Right. So if you ever watch any of the uh, documentaries, this is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. You ever watch any of the documentaries on Neptune Spear, which is the mission um that got osama bin laden mm -hmm. if you listen to the the mission planning the story behind that is that they basically locked themselves into a room for like two three weeks and hashed out every possible scenario that could go wrong to make sure that they were prepared for everything i mean whatever it was the dog got sick you know the dog got the runs what it didn't matter right they walked through it when they got to the point where they felt very comfortable, they worked through everything. They get up, they head towards the door. Somebody stops and says, wait a minute, what happens if the one of the helicopters crash? They turn right right back around and they sat down again and they hashed it out. Wouldn't you know it, one of the that's exactly crashed. what happened. They had a helicopter that crashed. So that meant that they were prepared, right? That is how intense they think when it comes to what's going on. And when they challenge something, if you've ever been on the receiving end of a team guy or a SEAL challenging you, they're not being assholes. They're just going through what they're naturally designed to do. And their training brings all of this out. Mm -hmm. And I'll sit down and I'll start talking about something related to HR. And it's like, well, what about this? And what about this? What about this? And I'm like, oh, my God. I said, are you mission planning? I said, I'm just explaining it. <laughs> yeah, man, I need a shot now. You know, it's just, You're making laughing. me think too hard. <laughs> I know. I said this was supposed to be fun, you know. <laughs> so, but but that's just how they think, right? And and the boat guys are the same way. Swicker the same way because they work with them, mm -hmm. and and they just they're conditioned to think through. So, 
there's a, a natural phenomenon that happens is that when anybody feels pressure and stress, like if you ever notice that we get tunnel vision, like our apertures start to close, yep. it's a natural defense. And we can only see this. We can't see anything else. That's a skill where you have to breathe and you have to learn how to open your aperture. And again, that's what those guys are good at. So when we get into training, our, our clients, they tell us we want more pressure. <laughs> and there's nothing more that a SEAL wants to hear than pressure. And they're like, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And we do, we apply pressure. We have an indoor training element now over at the, at the drone farm mm -hmm. that we can, it's hard enough to fly through that with a drone and just an image and a maze that you know nothing about. Well, you know what? We're really going to mess with you because now we're going to put a smoke bomb in there. Oh, and man. now you really have to figure that out, right? That's, That's what crazy. they That's want. Crazy. Yeah. And so I have that natural ability as well to think of, well, what if we did this? What if we intensified this? What if we did? So we all work well together because we're kind of in, we have like-minded mindsets, but I don't tell them what to say. Once they get into their rhythm, mm -hmm. they don't need to know how to fly a drone. What they do is they're excellent at taking these guys and helping them expand their thinking, opening that aperture. Have you thought about this? Here's my story. Here's what we did. Yeah. You know, we should have knocked on, you know, we didn't have to try and blow torch the thing open. The door was unlocked and none of us ever thought to turn the damn knob. We walked mm -hmm. right on in, you know, and, and it's like just sometimes from the smallest things to the biggest things, we don't open our aperture. And so that's what we bring to the table when it comes to that kind of training. That's massive. I mean, critical thinking, drone totally. training. I mean, if you could just package yeah. that and put it out yeah. there to law enforcement, they're going to eat it right up, you know, because that's what they need. Too many yeah. officers get in a situation, whether they're the ones flying the drone or they're the ones, you know, in the firefight, and they, they don't have that critical thinking training. You know, how, how do you train for... A firefighter. Well, seals know how to. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? And and I know these guys well enough. One scenario that we did when I was the rabbit, um, I didn't even tell Ethan what I was doing. Um, they sent in. I mean, we're talking about officers with seven times the amount of training that I have mm -hmm. and experience, right? So there I am. I'm laying on the ground, acting like a decedent, you know. Mm -hmm. And I have a blue rubber gun on my chest right here, and so I hear on the radio. And I'm, and I didn't even tell Ethan, I was going to fool him. I had it like here. It looked like I was like out. And, um, so as the drone is watching, I knew the drone did not have the best angle. I knew that the officer wasn't taking it seriously. I stood up and I mimicked that I was firing him. And all of a sudden I hear the drone pilot going, Holy shit, she's still alive. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and we debriefed about it. And Ethan says, okay, what could we have done better? Because Brenda gave you a real life example that can happen. So, 100%. yeah. And, and, but that's what we do. We keep it real, you know? Mm -hmm. no, that's we, awesome. we lay on the challenge. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Being the rabbit's a blast. I got to tell you. you. You probably had no idea when you started volunteering with the Navy SEALs that it would all turn into a business someday, you know? But that just goes to show the giver's game, you know? And so that's yeah. a great, uh, a great story of that. One of the questions I like to ask towards the end of the podcast is, you know, I talk a lot about legacy. I'm, I'm giving a talk on it here in a couple of weeks and yeah, um, yeah, I'm excited about it. It's at Philip Sessions event that he's been uh, advertising, but anyways, uh, you know, so my question is uh, legacy, what does that mean to you? And then 
What do you want yours to be? Oh, man. You know, it's interesting that you say that. So have you ever, have you ever watched the series Band of Brothers? No, I haven't. <gasps> okay, so you've got a movie marathon ahead of you. Okay. Um, <laughs> Band of, <laughs> the Band of Brothers was an HBO special that came out many years ago. Oh. Um, it, it, it was spawned from... Uh, and as from the idea of Saving Private Ryan, Tom Hanks was one of the executive producers. Steven Spielberg, okay. I believe, was also a part of it. Nice. Just absolute amazing story of the, the path during World War II that Easy Company took um, from, uh, from the paratroopers. And um, it, it's a band of brothers that started all the way from basic training that made it all the way to the end. It, obviously all of them didn't make it but they had this one guy they had this one guy he had the best sense of humor ever see he's telling you about it too the best sense of humor and he's doing his job so we had somebody try and break into the house several months ago so he can bark all he wants yeah. as far as I no i understand yeah so um because i know you remember that story when i came out but anyway so this um this one gentleman he made it through all the way and he was so well liked, like he never had anything bad to say about anybody. He had everybody's back. He made people laugh. He was, you know, he would imitate people like he was the class clown, but he was the one that everybody loved the most. I think something like over a thousand people came to his funeral. Wow. And it's funny because I was listening to um, Thomas Keenan's podcast this morning with Mark Zalmanoff and they were talking about. You know, like most people, when you die, Mark has this really morbid theory on death. Yeah. And, and he's like, when people die, they they usually say like, huh, you know, oh, that's too bad. I knew that guy. That was a, that was, you know, like to have a thousand people show up at your funeral says something about you. Mm-hmm. You impacted that many people in your lifetime. And that to me is legacy. It's like when you're gone and people recognize the gift that whatever it was that you gave them and that you touched them in that lifetime, that's legacy to me. You, you may not be able to leave anything tangible behind, mm-hmm. but you leave a spirit of compassion, love, empathy, something that you gave them. That's a legacy. Yeah. And it's, it's so awesome to hear the answers because everyone is different. And that's the first time I've heard I've heard that one. And uh, I love it because I can think of about, you know, family-wise. Most of the time when people go to funerals, it's for family, right? And, you know, when we talk about our network, we always say family of choice, right? Yeah. And so uh, I can definitively say if anything happens to you, I will be at your funeral. 100%. (laughs) I will be happy to be at yours. (laughs) And that doesn't usually come out well from the HR lady. (laughs) (laughs) No, it doesn't. Like the Grim Reaper just showed up. No, no, I, but you know, I see like, because I'm in this seal network, you know, mm-hmm. and I see, I get every week I get a notification that some seal has passed Yeah. and I always hold my breath. Cause I'm like, God, please, you know, it's just like, even if I don't know who they are, I still take time to read that bio mm-hmm. and I read who they were and what they were about because they left a legacy on this country and it, it needs to be honored whether I knew them or not. And some of them I do know. And it's just like, <sighs> Rudy, remember Rudy Bosch from, uh, from the very first survivor series. 
Oh, no, my my in-laws would know it though. Yeah. I never really watched so Survivor. I yeah. got I got to attend his funeral. And oh, and I know his daughters really well. And I got a chance to know Rudy. And, and Rudy also had Alzheimer's as well. So, but uh, towards the end. And he just sit there like, Yeah, I like you. I was like, all right, that's cool, Rudy. Thank you. <laughs> he didn't remember me you know, 10 minutes later, but he's like, We're all right. I was like, okay, thanks. Sometimes and, those so, little com compliments go a long way, you know. Yeah. And that's a big one. That was a big one for Rudy. It, it's like Rudy, if you know, if your hair would like he would they joked at his funeral that he was up in heaven telling everybody to get a haircut. <laughs> just like, he just had those standards, you know? Yeah. So yeah, to have Rudy Bosch tell you that he liked you was that's about as big as it gets. That's awesome. Well, Brenda, yeah. uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast and sharing so much value from, from HR to Navy SEALs to drones. I mean, it's just been a really cool, thank you. really cool and interesting podcast, it. you know? We get so tactical on the show sometimes, and it's like I'm sure our listeners like the relief every now and then of just having someone interesting on the show, you know. But Aww. they got a lot of tactical HR advice as well, so I thank you for that. If no, uh, my pleasure. Thank you. If anyone wants to reach out, especially about the, the drone business or HR, yes. uh, where do they find you at? Best place to find is just to hit me up on either on any of my social um, it's easier to find me at brendanneckbottle.com. I know you're going to put that all in the, yeah. in the show notes and everything, but you know, you can DM me on my social. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on TikTok. I'm on LinkedIn and YouTube. Um, and then, you know, if you wanted to, you can always check out, uh, the drone biz coach Academy. <laughs> <laughs> I think through it drone biz coach Academy. And, um, you know, I've got, if you're interested, I've got videos and links and stuff like that that's up on the upcoming course that's actually available now. And then uh, soon after that, the mastermind. And then if you want to get into, like, you want to jump into the business group side of it and the drones, then it's uh, Drone Talk for Drone Pros. Oh, nice. Yeah. Everybody starts following that format now. Hey, you know what? <laughs> it when works. a recipe makes good cookies... <laughs> But I, but I will tell you that our, our mastermind, our big masterminds uh -huh. is going to be called level up and soar. Oh, nice. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Very cool. Yeah. So well, Brenda, I appreciate it so much. Um, and it, and it's like, I always say at the show, let's get building. Yes. I'm loving it. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of building great sales teams. Be sure to appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get notifications as new episodes become available. Remember, great sales teams are not recruited. They are built block by block. Until next time. <laughs>